one of the ways that I began to know myself is to be able to look myself in the mirror. Mm. To look myself in the mirror. Because we look at ourselves in the mirror all the time, but we aren't really seeing ourselves. We're seeing all of the different masks that we put on to navigate through our day to be, whether it's to be safe, whether it's to fit in, whether it's any of those reasons, you know, the perfect wife, whatever mask we choose to put on. But I want to look at myself real and raw. Okay, I'm gonna try a little subliminal messaging. What's up, y'all? Welcome to your favorite self-help and personal growth podcast, The Reclamation. We have another roundtable discussion for you today, one that Kelsey and I actually wanted to do from the outset of this podcast. Our topic today is empathy. And we're going to walk through empathy from a few perspectives, including the psychology lens, the more mindset lens, and of course, an energetic and holistic lens. We're going to focus more on an overextended empathy, and we'll talk more about what that actually means. And the vision all of us here today on this discussion share to help heal the empath which is a really ironic statement to make. So our information is going to come from our personal studies, our personal experiences, and what we've observed working with others in our various roles in life and the modalities we've chosen to um, study. Today joining our discussion is a good friend and mentor to both Kelsey and I, Tanji. Tanji, say hello to the people. Hello, everybody. It's so good to be here with you guys and to be a part of this amazing discussion. Yay! Tanji is actually a master of healing arts, including Reiki, quantum Reiki, sound healing. She's a student of Hermetics and the Kabbalah, and we are looking forward to her perspective and her wisdom. And of course, y'all know Miss Kelsey. Hey guys, so excited to chat. She is going to be dishing out all the goods from her own experiences and the things she has learned from coaching her clients and her own Reiki experiences with clients as well. Okay, so let's set a foundation here. As y'all know, like I do, Empathy, it plays in a really important role in our interactions and in our relationships. And when empathy is done right, it helps in a big way to build understanding and connection in our relationships. So if it's this important characteristic for a more beautiful world, we wanted to bring some discussion to what healthy empathy might look like and feel like. 
as always, please keep in mind, we aren't claiming expertise and all encompassing truths, but we're expressing our ideas, our opinions and our experiences. All right, what is the definition of empathy? Here we go. It's kind of like I would expect it's it's got a lot of bigger words that you kind of have to piece together, which you know I'll do for you. So <laughs> definition of empathy is the psychological identification with or vicarious experiencing of emotions, thoughts, or attitudes of another. So I want to pick apart psychological identification. This is how we relate to or agree with uh, someone else's way of life, their behaviors, their attitudes, their characteristics. And empathy is a necessary component to positive experience. So psychological identification is a necessary component to a positive experience. When I first read that, I was kind of like, Ugh, I don't know if I want to psychologically identify with anybody, but we're going to discuss that today and how to do it in a really healthy way based off of some experience from Kelsey and from Tangi. So Sigmund Freud, Carl Jung, those are the psychologists I chose to pull from kind of like packaging their ideas around what identification is. It's just dealing with eternal conflicts or anxieties with a mask or a role that helps us fit into any given situation. So let's start our discussion off with that. Kelsey, I'm going to ask you first then Tanji where does your connection to psychological identification, AKA this empathy start? So for myself, it's probably one of my biggest strengths and survival <laughs> responses to life. Um, I watched my mom, who's a really great empath, overextending empath sometimes. <laughs> And uh, so that was just my environment I was raised in. Like, this is how we learn to watch for other people's emotions and kind of validating their experience so that they feel safer in in our situation. And um, which we'll get into the harmful parts of what the overextension might look like. But um, I just was raised by a really emotionally intelligent mom and it definitely blessed me with uh, the ability to be very empathic from day one. I'm the oldest child, but I was always around her and her sisters and my grandma, who were all very emotionally intelligent. And and so, yeah, that's where it started for me. Um, and it became part of who I am. <laughs> and I didn't know anything different or that it could be harmful until probably like four years ago. So I've been getting more balanced ever since and and I feel great now but I'm really excited to discuss what that looks like okay so mine is very similar but I feel like I was born to do a to be in a role of an empath I 
no one ever explained that to me. I didn't have really examples or realize, recognize what that was. But what I did know is that I could transmute energy from a very young age. And so I felt like I was born to take other people's pain and transmute it and make them feel better and allow them to be happy. So that is, that's kind of, um, I don't remember a, a time recognizing it. It wasn't until much later that I realized this is what I did or what I felt like was my job. It felt like a job to me. And then later in life, I realized that there has been throughout history, through my family lineage, that there has been a keeper, basically, that would do the same thing in every generation for our entire family. Wow, that is so fascinating. Yeah. Kelsey, do you resonate with that in like the generational aspect? Because you did talk about your oh, mom yeah. and your grandma. Oh, yeah. And I, I too would say that probably was born in born with it and then it you know I was supported in the right ways to really own that part of myself and then when I was probably 20 years old I was reading about empathy and I was like this is what I do <laughs> this is who I am like this is the story of my life and it was really empowering for me in that point in my life I was actually quite depressed at that time of my life feeling very insignificant, incapable. And it was like, really, oh my gosh, this is part of my gifts. And so, um, but yeah, just not really knowing until I was 20, like this is actually a gift. So this is so fascinating to me. And as I consider my own family, one, the one I was raised in all of my siblings, I'm like, oh, <laughs> there's definitely siblings that are more emotional this idea of it generationally, I think of my siblings, I'm like, oh, maybe there is some sort of keeper in a family. Maybe you're listening and you're like, oh, I am seen, I am seen because you're the keeper <laughs> in your family. And maybe you're part of a family like me and you get looked at like very just um, emotional, would you say? <laughs> oh my gosh. Both have been yeah. described as emotional. Yes. And yeah. I, it made, so I had, I, my mom was very emotionally intelligent, but didn't quite know how to be in the emotion. So there was a lot of masking that I learned. And then from my dad, emotion was what you're describing. Like you don't do it. You put it under, you tuck it under the rug. You don't, you don't have it. I was super sensitive. The word was sensitive for. Oh, right. Not emotional. Right. Maybe you're just like, Not oh, you're so just... sensitive. Totally. Right. <laughs> wow. But definitely cool. the ability to just read the energy has always been part of my life. <laughs> Overwhelmingly so sometimes. And now it's, I feel so much better and more whole, which excited to talk about how we got there yeah Malia I was gonna ask you who you think the keeper is if you look at it off the top of your head do you know who your keeper is in your family 
Well, this is what's very interesting and why we're coming together with this discussion is because I know that there's trauma in my family, in my siblings, and we're looking at empathy in the overextended way as being actually a trauma response where you would go into a room and automatically need to assess emotions in order to keep yourself safe. And this is um, a skill that you may have developed in childhood. And also, this is a gift. And so when I look at my siblings, I can't, I can't say there's two of them that are more sensitive <laughs> than the rest, but mm -hmm. I don't know why they are if they're sensitive to keep themselves safe or if they're sensitive because that's what they are. They're naturally able to attune to the environment. Mm -hmm. um, for my daughter, Kaya, she was on the podcast uh, yes. a few episodes ago. She is emotionally intelligent, but I do know that she attunes to her environment to assess more so like who's going to drain my energy and mm -hmm. also at the same time, that person feels really sad. I want to help them out, you know? So there's a whole yeah. lot of aspects to the empath that we can discuss. Let's talk about some positive aspects that, that you both experienced being an empath, aside from the beautiful ability, like Tanji said, to kind of transmute energy and with Kelsey is just to be able to help feel others' emotions and you you can be there for people in a unique way. What are some other positive aspects of empathy? Well, for me, especially when I'm working with clients, it is extremely helpful for me to be able to tune into where they are emotionally, um, maybe what they need, because they might not even be able to express it in words, but I can tune into it and feel, you know, maybe a little bit better sometimes than, than where they are. And so it really does help me in my work and in my sessions to be able to tune into feelings and emotions of others and to kind of read between the lines what they're truly asking me for if that yeah, makes so sense like, totally like a therapist you can identify emotion and with your experience with emotion your own emotional intelligence help somebody who can't really identify because we all know once we've identified once we've named something that right. alone creates such motion in that thing that we've named. So yeah, I could see how that'd be really beneficial in what you're doing. Totally. I did have a point too. It's like, have you guys seen the Brene Brown uh, talk on, I think it's empathy and vulnerability. Have you guys seen that before? I have, I have not. I think we should put it in the link in our, okay, our yeah. podcast notes. Uh, it's really powerful. She just discusses how empathy can help someone who has fallen into a deep, a deep dark hole walk down in, instead of just saying, hey, sorry, I hope you get out, and then leaving, we could actually <laughs> walk, climb down the ladder, 
sit with them for a second and then help help them get up on the ladder and then they can do it themselves too. But it's just a way of being present with someone where they're at, meeting them where they are. And also like for me, I finally mastered the trait of being in the empathy and identifying what they're going through and being there, but I'm no longer like taking it on like I was prior <laughs> where it was unhealthy. Yeah. I did that you're not a, too much. You're not a third party. Yeah, exactly. I'm just uh, holding the space, helping them come up the ladder, and then I just can allow them support in getting out of the, the dark hole. So mm-hmm. I love how you described your part, Tanji. It's definitely so helpful in what we do. Yeah. Kelsey, let's go with that. Let's go with the learning and the lessons of not becoming a part of the emotion, not taking it on, not making it yours. How did you learn that? How did you learn that you were doing that is what I mean to say. And what are some of your skills that you've learned in that whole experience. And then Tandy, same question for you. Okay. Um, An experience that comes up where it was the beginning of my understanding was when I was doing some um, energy work to support my sister. Um, She had uh, a really intense injury and problem with her shin bone. And it was, it kept breaking. She had a, a fracture in it and they had to put a rod in, in order to help it heal. Cause it just wouldn't heal. And I would do energy work on her. And then within an hour, my shin bone was aching or hurting. So I, <laughs> I had done this before and I, I had, at the time I was having my own health issues. And so I was extremely sensitive to I am not doing this. I can't. This is hers. I'm here to support her, but I can't physically put any more pain on myself when I'm trying to heal. So I really, really was tuning into my energy and how it works and how I may have been like pulling in other people's stuff and it affecting my physical being. And so at that point when that happened, I actually took like a, um, like a mini sabbatical, like, I would just tell my family, you know, I, I will do here, I'm here for you and I'll support you, but I don't know if I can do specific sessions for a little bit because especially when my, when I would do it for my family members, that's when my body and my whole, everything about me was like, I'll take it, I'll put it on. And it was just totally subconscious until my body was feeling the pain and um, that was like a huge sign for me that I really needed to learn how I was doing this mid-session um, and how to uh, create this boundary and this healthy way of supporting without pulling it into myself and um, too much. <laughs> so, Kelsey, when you were a child and you're growing up years in the home that you're raised in, and if we're going with this cool idea of kind of the torchbearer, um, in the family line, were there physical manifestations of taking on the emotion? Like you said, it's my family. I just, I just don't want them to feel this pain. I'll take it all growing up and all of those childhood years. 
Um, so directly growing up, I can't think of something exactly, but I would get, we, we would all get a lot of weird things. So like really unusual health issues. Um, and so I'm going to try to explain this in the best way I can, but I would often be told weird things like by the doctor, this is something that you would probably only get if you were 70 years old. So we don't know why you're having this weird experience. Like I, but it wasn't, the other part about it is it wasn't exactly my family was having the same thing. It wasn't always like that. Um, but I think if I go back and I calculate the emotional things that were going on in my family, my body, it was like coming out in my body. And it, and typically that thing, um, like the chakra where that the blockage was, that's where the, the problem was at. And, um, and then as I got older, that's when I started to suddenly pull on the pain of uh, the exact pain of the other person and like for <laughs> more examples like my mom's neck things I'm I'm very I have to set boundaries so when I'm around my mom who I adore I um kind of don't go back into pulling her energy because she has neck issues and I I realized that I every time I was around her my neck would hurt so I really tuned into what that meant for me and why it was showing up. And, um, but yeah, so not, not directly all the time, but it seemed related to the emotional traumas that we were going through as a family. So it wasn't always manifesting for them physically, but it would manifest for me physically. Yeah. 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 I wasn't yeah. thinking that it would be the exact thing, but the fact that you have had those experiences of it being the exact thing. And obviously when it's the exact same element that there's where you begin to be like, what is going on? It's not so hidden. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like very obvious for you there. Yeah. Okay, Tanji, how about you? What's been your experience? Yeah. You know, I think for me, I was recognizing what was happening to me. And why I was feeling, you know, these flood of overwhelming emotions or anything else was, you know, the, the recognition, because I always kind of knew this was my job, this was my role, but it gets to the point that it would manifest in health. So as a child, I had chronic ear infections, chronic cough, lung issues. Um, so it would just kind of manifest when things got too much. And I would still mm. think I was handling it just fine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I'm handling all of this just fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you know, you have this crash, you know, illness or something like that. Um, and so for me, it was kind of recognizing the aha moment when I was doing it, taking other people's pain per se, I'm not talking about sessions, I'm talking about necessarily family dynamics, friends dynamics, your close knit circle, mm -hmm. and taking them on as your own feelings and everything. I did it on a very subconscious level, never aware 
that I was an empath. I wouldn't even have used that term until a couple of years ago that that's what I was. Um, mm -hmm. So it was, um, that was just my job to help other people feel better and to take away their pain. And I thought even up to two years ago that I was doing extremely well at um, understanding and realizing when these pulls and these things were happening. And I had a, a very um, dear person to my heart from Greece point out to me, no, you are just getting better at masking that you yeah. are still taking this on. You are still transmuting. You are still taking on other people's pain or taking their pain away from them. And I thought, no, I am not doing that. I am very aware. I am very conscious. You know, I, I am better at it. But what I actually found I got better at was I was better at masking the pain in my body. I was better at masking the illness. I was better at putting on the masks so that I was not even paying attention to what was going on. So I have a question about that. Yeah. So was there like an event that kind of triggered your discussion with her that did you get ill or? No, it, led to she, it? Called, she called me out on it. Oh, we were okay. in a class setting and she was tuning me into my energy and she said why are you taking all this pain onto yourself and i think she uh -huh. might have even used a swear word <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i said and i'm you know sitting here like i feel great i'm good you know and she's like no no you're 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 not and she says, your organs, wow. your stomach, your, you know, you are, you, you are not, you're causing harm to your body. But I wasn't even at that point. So as soon as she said that, called me out on it, I felt the pain and I felt the huge knots in my stomach. And I thought, oh no, she's right. Like I so did not want her to be right because I felt like I'm doing this work. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going through the steps and, you know, I'm setting my boundaries and I'm doing, you know, all of these things that, um, you know, the, the self love and all of these things that, um, when we're empathic, sometimes we lose ourselves because we put everyone else in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of healing as an empath, I have a question for you. Are you looking to get a break? Maybe you want to get away for a little bit. What about reconnecting with like-minded women that are all on the same page of growth and finding yourself? Well, I have the most perfect opportunity that I have to share with you because of how much it changed my life, beautiful women. This retreat is called Spiral Up Retreat, and it's coming up on March 7th through the 10th. It's magnificent. You may have heard me talk about it before. If you have not, 
when I started this journey of truly transforming my life into what I want and feels good and knowing and understanding myself, that was this retreat was the beginning of of it all. So I can't speak higher of it. It's great because it's not only authentic and a place full of raw, real women. It's just, it's also absolute quality and depth, amazing food, amazing company, and it's kind of small. It makes it perfect. So I just can't recommend it enough. And this is a retreat that I will also be doing one-on-one sessions at. And as a, as the reclamation, we're going to come and be representing us and recording some of the awesome parts of the retreat. And so people can hear into what that experience is like. We're going to record the transformation stories. We're going to have fun listening and just collecting all the good juice from that experience as well. So if you don't decide you want to come on this retreat, you'll you'll be able to hear about what it's like after. But if you're interested, go to spiraluptretreat.com. Check it out. There's all the details there, including what each day might look like, what our theme is this year. And you'll you'll hear directly from Helen and Paige themselves about the awesome experience that it is. I just love it. It's very near and dear to my heart. I only encourage things that I love (laughs) because of some very important reason that I'm passionate about. And this is one of those passionate things for me. So come check it out. If you want to come, remember that I will be doing quantum Reiki sessions there and we'll be there repping it up as the reclamation. Um, Again, that's March 7th through the 10th and it's this year, it's in Hurricane, Utah. So super exciting. It's not always in Hurricane. This year, it's a special place. We're going to go on the very last day to Zion um, on a fun design trip. But prior to that, we'll be doing all of the the workshops with Helen, the one-on-one time with our the coach you choose, the body worker, the energy worker you choose. It's just perfect, ladies. I can't even explain it more. It's There's just the right amount of time for you to get away on your own, have your own one-on-one time to just collect yourself and understand why, why and what and, you know, just get away from life for a minute. It's literally the perfect setup for you. And I can't, <laughs> I can't speak higher. Go check it out. And let's move forward to the episode. I had a similar experience with being called out. And I too, it was I, this woman who called me out, her name is Helen, and she's one of my gurus that I just love, and I call her my angel <laughs> um, because of how she called me out, too, and I that tr- that transformed my whole life when she called me out on it. <laughs> yeah. I was so bleeding. I was just bleeding everywhere, like just bleeding, the bleeding all the heart, time. Right? Yes. Yeah. Just, and, and she called me out and then guided me to know how to shift, like make those little tiny micro shifts in my mind to help me rewrite the story. So first identify the story that I'm telling that's causing the problem in the first place and then how to reframe it to something that feels better and more balanced. And and Can so- give us an example on doing that in with empathy where you would normally have just taken on somebody else's emotion or pain. Oh yeah. Can you give us an example of how you would walk through that? Oh yes. 
So right now is a really good example of how all there's so much chaos and war and unpreferred things going on in our world. And so on the news, on whatever you're, you know, you could be tuned into, you're going to hear a lot of sad things that people could really sit in. Wow, that's so sad. That's so awful. And so for me, prior to understanding this about how I how I do my energy and how, how I would better manage my energy, I would be like feeding into the conversation of that is so sad that that's happening to them. Like, how can bad things like that happen? And just like really feeding the kind of suffering energy that isn't always intentional, but because we all do want people to have the best and we don't like seeing other people hurt because we love big, so big. Sometimes when we're talking in little conversations, we feed the energy of victimhood. I had to learn how to be a little more cold. (laughs) It felt cold, but I had to create this line of, I cannot put my energy in those people all the way across the world right now. That's actually hurtful for me. I, I, I love them and I'm going to send them positive energy and support where I can. But in my energy right now, I can't feel bad enough to help that situation physically in this realm. Yeah. Me feeling bad for that is not going to help them in their situation. So even little tiny things, little tiny sentences I became fully aware of. And I, I, had, I had to catch myself all the time when I first became aware of this through Helen's guidance. Um, and instead flipping it to like, it is really, un- it's really unfortunate. Like I was really watching my words. Like I didn't even want to f- say sad because my heart really felt for those people, you know? And so, <laughs> and so it was like, here's a chance. My heart's going to bleed a little more right here if I'm not careful. Cause I need that energy right now to help me build up my walls and, be more balanced. Sounds like this was kind of the beginning of creating this boundary and the boundary I'm talking about that I feel empaths need. You guys can help me here is one of like, this is not my business. This is not mine to fix where a lot of empaths feel like Tanji said, this is my job. This is my calling in life. Therefore, if I see a need and I don't do it, then I like, there's this self-betrayal almost. And how much of a religious connection to selflessness and compassion for others and being godly. So what are your thoughts on that? So for, for me, um, I feel a lot of it is we take on, you know, we take on these roles. And for me, speaking from my experience, I took this role on. And what I had to realize was that, like you said, this isn't mine. I'm not a party to this. This isn't my place to jump in and save. So then I had to recognize why it is I felt like 
people needed me to help them save them, right? Yes. So I had to make that connection between, you know, why do I feel like I need to take their pain, that they can't handle it, and that I need to take it and transmute it or do whatever I do with it or hold it, you know, however that worked. Um, and so I had to realize what was going on within my brain for me to judge, because for me, it really does feel like a, a judgment because I'm going, they need my help. I need to save them. I can do this. I can take their pain. I can take their suffering. For me, it had a lot to do with the suffering, you know, mm -hmm. not just physical pain. It was suffering or anguish or it's too overwhelming for them. And so I, you know, I will just take this. So I had to realize to be able to shift out of it. There's something that we as empaths gain from being in this position. So I had to determine for myself what it was that I was getting in return of, you know, all of, all of these different things. And it does go back again to childhood for me. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to the, you know, wanting to be able to be seen and to be heard and to be have value and to help people and you know all of those different things i was also the oldest so i was the caretaker of five siblings you know so i i do think that there was all those things but i had to look at it and go truly there is something i receive that i am lacking in other places of my life to continue to put myself out in this way, in this manner. Right? I love that you brought that up. I would love for you to talk about what you discovered, if you don't yes, mind. Please. Exactly yes, please. Yeah, I, I don't mind at all. What I discovered was it actually was a part of ego. Hmm. Because I wanted to be important and I wanted to serve other people. And it made me feel important to take away or to fix or to do all of these other things. And also, I tend to want to control things. So this was also a form of my controlling situations by I could take the pain, I could control certain aspects of what was going on. And then in return, I was getting this big old puffed up. I mean, granted, my health was going to crap, but I actually um, could mask that and push that down. And I just felt that puffed up. I'm, I'm helping, I'm assisting, even tuning into collective energy or earth energy. And, you know, I felt like I'm transmuting it. I'm making a difference. I can, I'm, I'm assisting in movement. And so in return, I really was feeling like, 
I have this big role. I have this big part to play and I'm doing it. And I was getting the validation that I was seeking that I wasn't getting in other areas of my life. I was getting the pat on the back. Granted, I was doing it myself because no one else knew <laughs> I was doing this. Well, know? I think there had to have been times in your life in order to buoy up this ego where people would appreciate you for even just sitting yes. and listening or walking through their problem with them, um, being the yeah. problem solver. And I know that my daughter receives a lot of like, oh, you're always there for me. I can always count yeah. on you. And she gets dumped on all the time. So, yeah. So I'm sure others were also patting your back. You could tell that you made a difference in their lives. Yes. We all love to know that we did that, right? Right. Kelsey, what are your thoughts on what Tanji just said? I 100% have the similar experience and the similar need as a child. And I was the oldest as well. And it gave me a sense of significance or importance value and being seen. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm currently rewriting that still. <laughs> I thought I had done that, but I guess I have not. So the universe is still bringing it back to me. <laughs> the universe called you out like Tanji just got called out a bit ago. We're st yes. still yes. working. And I love yes. that though, yeah. we are not showing up as perfect. We're showing up as still working. And I love that. Yeah. It's yeah. something that I wanted to mention too for listeners is that uh, when it comes to ourself and our relationship to ourself, everything that a person does is actually for themselves. Like we cannot, we are not yeah. separate from that. We can never run away from that. And growing up in the culture I was raised in, to be selfless was what what was praised, and mm -hmm. to give is praised to receive is not talked about is not important and to receive is actually like frowned upon like uh how could you do that that's selfish to want to receive and that's another part of my learning as an as an empath to to become more balanced was to understand giving and receiving in that i if i if i'm really great at giving but I'm not good at receiving, I only can tap out here. There's room if you, <laughs> there's room for me to increase receiving. If I increase receiving, then I actually expand the possibility for receiving and giving altogether. But if I just give, I'm actually limiting myself and ultimately causing harm to myself. And, and it will show up in all different ways in your life. It could be health. It could be whatever, but the universe will bring whatever, whatever you believe in is your higher source will bring you different things in different situations that will show you, you are giving too much and it's actually causing a problem. So mm -hmm. our higher self the universe will bring us the situations to help us see that, okay, I need to, I need to amp up my receiving um, and, you know, in the, in the culture, it was just receiving's bad. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Give everything. And so just like Tanji was saying, for me, it was ego. It was being able to feel praised and seen. And it was also what felt so 
good to me and served me in the moments because I do really love and care for people. Right. <laughs> and then after years go by and I, I'm ready to let that go now and actually hold space from a place that is balanced and can serve me and the other person more deeply, I think. It's like now that I've worked through all this within myself, I'm actually able to hold more space in one little setting than I could mm -hmm. have prior when just bleeding with the person constantly. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Like, I want to hear your thoughts on selfishness versus self-focused because those are the two things that I've really distinguished for myself. If I'm self-focused, I create more for myself. I mean, more is not the right word. It's it's like I, I feel more integrated and balanced in my life if I'm self-focused. And people often view that in all different kinds of ways, right? <laughs> but for yeah. me, I don't care what other people think about it because I know what it, it does for my life. Selfish is just something different. But I want to hear your guys' perspectives on those two words. Well, there's something called an axiom. An axiom is something that cannot be argued. And what an axiom, for example, that's easy for people to grasp is the fact that we're all different. And you can't argue that. And another axiom is that nobody does anything without some positive benefit to ourselves. I remember when I learned that, that I did definitely yeah. try to argue that one. Um, but what it comes down to, if you guys hearing that feedback, I think it's a dog. Is there a dog? Not by me. There oh, is a dog yeah, outside. Her, huh? Yeah, there is a dog outside. Okay. That's okay. When I hear it, I won't Stopped worry about now. it now. Okay. I just he thought about me. Now, so. <laughs> <laughs> so when I heard that axiom, I definitely tried to argue it. But it took humbling to really understand what that meant. Just like you two understood that you were being empathic to some benefit of your own. And mm -hmm. here's an interesting thing that we have to really look at is when I'm taking on pain out of my own safety, because I was raised in an environment that was uh, non not predictable, and I needed to be able to assess very quickly what kind of emotional energy existed in my household, I'm doing that for my safety. That is to benefit myself, right? Where often we aren't seeing that what we're doing, taking on all of this, um, is, is selfish, selfish. Well, I, you know, again, there's that word, but it's some positive benefit to ourself. I'm with you, Kelsey, on self-focused. Actually, I do like the word more. Uh, brings me more so that I have more to give. I have more space to hold. Yeah. Um, and then selfish might be just the same idea, but out of wounding. We're acting in a way that is more inconsiderate of others. It's the same underlying foundation of we're just doing something to benefit ourselves. Tanji, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So um, for me, a lot of it, 
I really had to go into self going, okay, what is unhealed within me to make me consistently insert myself into other people's lives or feelings? And of course, it wasn't just insert. People were would ask or ask advice or something like that. I didn't just, you know, butt in and say, let me take this over for you. But it's still... I had to look at myself and look and go, where am I? What do I need? And I love the way, you know, Kelsey, you mentioned, you both mentioned it, how we have to return home. We have to return yeah. home to us and to determine what emotions are ours, what emotions are not and then be able to say, am I taking on unnecessary emotions, feelings, inserting myself into other situations or situations people were asking me to go into? Because I did feel selfish if I, you know, if I did not want to help them mm. or you know, I didn't have the capability maybe or the bandwidth to assist them. I would feel like that was selfish because I could help them. I should help other people. Mm. And that was a program that mm. I've come to just kind of learn and go, okay, this is part of this trap that I was stuck in. Also, my view on the selfless and selfish is that when we're focusing on other people's stuff, whether it be emotions, lives, anything else, who are we not focusing on? We are totally not focusing on ourselves. And we, especially if there are things we don't want to look at, we are going to look, especially as an empath, more for those people that need us, that we can help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take on everyone else's so that you don't have to see your own. Absolutely. Right. I've, I mean, I've gone to a therapist so many times for years. And just yesterday, I'm reminded that it's never about anyone else. <laughs> Everything is showing up for me because there's an opportunity for me to evolve and expand in it. And yeah. it was a hard day yesterday <laughs> because yeah. it had it had to do specifically with this child this childhood um, thing for me of feeling insignificant. And anyways, in the end of the day, I'm so grateful. <laughs> I'm so grateful for my awareness around these things because in a way, once you practice the art of staying in your business, your life just gets more full. It really does. I can attest to that. It, number one, it was really challenging for me to kind of grasp that idea without being selfish, uh, yeah. without feeling selfish, because I guess in a way I felt like, you know, I, I ought to, I should. Uh, but Kelsey introduced this idea of staying in your own business to me when I finally grasped it. I think it took me at least a year. So that's a while 
when I finally grasped it, exactly what you said, Kelsey, my, I became more available. Um, and the things yeah. that I had space for be, because before I was in everyone else's business and I was not in their business in the same way you ladies were, but I was in, in their business, maybe seeking to help and fix not empathetically, but still in their business. And all of a sudden, when I recognize that I can let that go, I can label that as like, that's not my business. Holy cow. There's, there's more area in my brain in my body <laughs> for things that I, that fall into my line of business. And when we're all taking care of our own business and I'm talking about what you were saying, Tanji, we're not masking our business with other people's business. When yeah. we all start taking care of our business, we're self-focused. Yeah. It creates that change inwardly and can't help but extend outwardly. And again, that's how we create a more beautiful world. Hey guys, let's chat for a second about manifesting. So manifesting is such a hot word right now. And there are so many people who feel stuck in their lives and we're looking for that secret sauce. We're looking to take control of our lives and feel like we have a say in what's going on. We're really wanting to figure out how to experience what we want to. Kelsey and I, we've both been in this place. We've taken the deep dive into so many of the manifestation teachers and techniques that exist from being in the vibration, law of attraction, vision boards, the whole shebang. Okay, so we both think those practices have value, but they didn't address the underlying subconscious beliefs that stood in the way of creating this life we truly desired until we found to be magnetic. Guys, to be magnetic or TBM is a unique manifestation process. TBM uses tools like psychology, EMDR, epigenetics, and energetics with a little spirituality sprinkled throughout to reprogram the subconscious and address the limiting beliefs we've picked up during our childhood and throughout our lives and it creates this really beautiful space for us to step into our most whole, worthy, authentic self. And it's from this space that we manifest the life we desire. We manifest what we feel worthy of. Okay, so that makes sense. And TBM totally guides you into that reclamation. Kelly and I, we both joined the TBM Met Pathway membership for different reasons, but to kind of package it all together, we love the at-home therapy aspect. We love the on-demand workshops that address the blocks that are standing in the way of our dream life, like from money and relationships to career and home. We also super love the community support and the language that's used within the program. It gives clarity to the energetics of manifesting. And we actually use a lot of that language here on the reclamation. So if you want to understand what manifesting is all about from a unique perspective that's backed by science, it has a clearly laid out step-by-step -step program to follow. 
check out To Be Magnetic. You can find them at tobemagnetic.com and it's your lucky day. You can receive 15% off your membership price by using our code RECLAIM. That's R-E-C-L-A-I-M. Look at that. You're already manifesting good things. If you're interested but not quite ready to jump into the membership, check out the TBM podcast called Expanded. There you're going to learn all about the process, hear from industry experts, and walk through the experiences other current Pathway members are having within the process. So many are reclaiming who they are. It's really fun to listen to. Then when you're ready, you can use our code RECLAIM to get 15% off your membership. Yes. Um, I want to go back, Tanji, to what you said about yes. programming, because I think this is really important with both of you in separate conversations I've had with you to try to understand this empathy a little more. There is this part, and Kelsey, I've seen it come out on you a few times in this discussion where it's just like, but I really do love others. Like that's real. And when we go into ourselves, like you're saying, Tanji, and we start to understand, like, ask the questions, why am I doing this? Why am I in other people's business? There probably will exist that answer of like, no, I really do have this deep love for others. That's not a mask. That's not a mask. Tanji, mm -hmm. how does the programming that you were talking about that exist in all cultures, you know, religious backgrounds, how does it play into um, feeding off of that? I really do love others, but there's this programming that's come on top of that, creating the mask. Right. So for me personally, part of that programming was feeding into that negative aspect of that conversation or that event that someone was kind of bringing me, you know, bringing me into. So it was like that programming was like, I need to help them. I can help them and I will help them see a different way. Right. Where did but, this programming come from? So the programming, I feel like it came from watching my parents, my grandparents, watching other situations. And then I formed my own kind of um, opinion. Like, say, for instance, if my parent, you know, um, if I didn't feel like she was showing enough compassion to my brother or to my father or something like that, I felt like I needed to jump in there and fill in that gap because yeah. I became, you know, I became that. Um, and I, I believe the programming has been from the beginning of passed through generation, through generations. You know, I believe that a lot of times it's learned behavior. It's not necessarily something that has been taught 
or something that has been um, maybe understood. And, but it's just the way that I felt. Does that make sense? Like it, does. it was, it, it was just like, okay, if you're lacking here, I'm going to step in here. And we see it even from the, the story of Adam and Eve, where it's like, Eve did this. And then the judgment came, you know, all the fingers were pointing, Eve was pointing to the snake, the, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Everyone's pointing fingers, but yet not one person was to blame. And I feel mm. like this programming kind of stems from all of this finger pointing and all of these concepts that weren't necessarily taught as in teachers taught, but it's just something that we've just accumulated and taken as truth, but necessarily is not. It seems like there's this idea of it's that we don't take responsibility, right? Right. We, we don't take responsibility. And one step further, I would put myself in to take responsibility for other people. Yeah. So yes, exactly. even if, I, yeah. So even if, you know, they were maybe, I felt they were being a little harsh or cold or however, from a place of judgment, I was looking at things going, oh, I, you know, this, this needs this, or I can offer, you know, some, something more or better for them that will make them feel better or make their life better or something else. So it was like, I was standing up as this, um, I don't want to say superior because I never felt superior, but basically Is it like a savior idea. Yes. Like it, it, very much like I was saving these people from themselves, saving them, you know, from these situations. And when you're coming from that place, it is a place of judgment and it is a place of feeling like they can't handle it on their own. And I felt invincible. So I felt like I will take it. Mm. Like a Superman or Superwoman, you know, kind of, kind of scenario. So um, it is very interesting how all of this came around to where I could see it from a different perspective. And it wasn't until I really started to really go deeper into Kabbalah and into what makes me tick, what makes me work, that I started understanding I can still love, I can still feel for other people, I can still be very compassionate and kind. And I don't just need to put up boundaries saying I can't be with you because I can't keep my boundary when I'm with you. And so in learning more about myself and in self-discovery, 
I could see things and patterns that were triggers in me, why I would jump in to situations or why I would, you know, why I would react in a way that I felt like they needed saving or that they needed, you know, something else. So I, I was noticing since we're all mirrors of each other, I was noticing things in other people that I was assisting were triggers for me, which meant it was wounding I needed to heal. Wounding I needed to look out for me, not for someone else. And these lessons will continually keep coming. And what I found was that my, like I was taking pain from my children. And what I found was they were still having to go through the same, like the same things kept coming around for them. Because I was taking their pain, I was taking their lesson. Yeah, and yeah, uh-huh. it, And it wasn't until I stood back and realized, wait a minute, I am not, this is their life, I'm interfering with their free will, I'm interfering in things that I don't need to interfere with, and until I stop taking the pain, they're going to keep going through these lessons. I'm so, I love how you said that. Because as you were talking about it, I was in my head kind of thinking about when I started to learn these things about allowing someone else their experience and why they even came here in the first place. And it had mm-hmm. to do with being a mom mm-hmm. when I really saw the like the line it, and just watching my child and realizing there's nothing I can do that is truly going to take away what he came here to evolve through. Like that's his business. And I love, I love him to pieces and I love my, I just love my children. Right. But that line of it's okay for them to have their own experience and I can be here and support it. I'm still, I'm still learning how to do that, but that's really what triggered my (laughs) more understanding and, and, and in depth around what is in my lane and what's not, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think that that idea set me free from a lot of anxiety and worry and even, uh, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I have that for my husband too, is just like, this is his path to walk. I very much thought going into my marriage that I had all the answers and any issue that would come up, if you do it my way, then you're going to have success. But it's the same idea of releasing him to his experience, to his journey is Mm -hmm. such an act of love. I think if we're talking about God we're talking about his gift of um, agency, which, you know, just a universal law there. We, when we allow that for others, stepping in as an empath actually serves to take away from them their experience that their soul wanted coming into yeah. this. 
I know that's triggering for a lot of people because there's hard, hard stuff people go through. And to say yeah. your soul wanted this, like, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, this goes along the same idea of like nobody is the same. You can't argue that we're mm -hmm. all different. Tanji, you studied the Kabbalah and understood yourself more. Ta uh, Kelsey and I, we talk a lot about human design. We talk a lot about astrology. We mm -hmm. understand ourselves more. For me, that has just made my world open up <laughs> to others also having their own maps, their own systems, their own journey through the stars type mm -hmm. thing. I feel really grateful for that insight from you guys as I, <laughs> the different point of view of, of, of the bleeding heart empath, right? Mm -hmm. um, really, when I started to work with clients, I just saw that empathy was glorified. You both mentioned how you glorified it in yourselves. Mm. And I saw how the savior, the fixer, and was like, this is not out of the pure love of your heart only, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I saw that there was what you said, Tanji, exactly, was this taking away of somebody's full experience Here's a question I would love for you both to expand upon. We talked about you're both learning still. You're both evolving. Please share your tools. What has helped you to not have the bleeding heart, to stay in your own business and allow people their experience and still honor you in I really do love others. Um, so for me, one of the tools, um, one of my biggest tools is to um, center, to really come into my center every single day before I go out in, in public. Um, it's the first thing that I, that I do. And so centering for others, you know, can mean something totally different. But for me, it's to remind myself who I am, why I'm here, where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And um, in centering myself, then that automatically starts that mindset for me every single day. And then when things happen or things occur, I feel like I can better handle things when they're kind of thrown or you get a phone call or, or, you know, I feel like you can stay in your lane a little bit better when I begin at center and when I end the day at center. And sometimes you have to recenter many times during the day, depending on what kind of day it is. I also made the realization that if I am not right inside of the situation, if I haven't inserted myself in, and if I am not right inside, 
feeling all of the feelings and all of the energy, I can assist better from outside. I can Expand. see a clear picture. I can assist much better from that perspective. And so sometimes I do have to remind myself, wait, you're feeling all of these things. Step outside of that box for a second so that I could see the big picture. Right. Um, and so, you know, when I start to feel that because um, the feelings are get to the point that they're so overwhelming and we don't know. I mean, when we're in that situation with that person, we know where it's probably coming from. But then when you go home and you've taken this on from so many different places, it's hard to decipher what's yours and what's someone else's at times. And so what I found is if I'm in that situation and I start to feel this overwhelming sense of feelings, I step back and like Kelsey said, I watch the wording. So instead of inserting myself right back in the middle and including myself in the circle, I watch my wording and I can say, oh, you know, more from that outside person, that supporting role instead of the, the best actress or the best actor. It's like you're trying to be the understudy. Exactly. So alongside the lead role, you're doing everything that the lead role is doing. It makes perfect sense that you can't, yeah. you can't help the situation if you've taken it on all of a sudden, like whatever mm -hmm. wisdom did exist. Now, now yeah. you have their problem on your own. Now you have their problem. And now you're in the same area that they are that, without being able to see clarity. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the tools that I use is that, you know, just self-awareness of where am I being pulled? Where is my energy going? Where am I giving energy that I am not a, maybe even aware of or where I am, give, you know, where someone is taking energy as well? Because as an empath, you do have to look at that. And so then I have to go, okay, I'm not going to allow them to take it. I will give the energy that I wish to give. Set that boundary. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so those are, you know, those are some of the things, but I feel like it starts with self. It starts with, um, not having the expectations of others to fulfill mm -hmm. our life, to fulfill yeah. our needs, to fulfill all of those things. <laughs> yes, you love know, that. If I go into something, like I, I know right away, there are certain people in my life, I love them dearly, but I, I see the phone number on the caller ID and I know. I, I know that this is going, you know, that I am going to be tested. Aha. And I take a moment and I center. And if I am not in a place that I can center or that I can stay in my lane, 
I will call them back or I will schedule another day for a visit. So knowing your, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Knowing your capabilities and your bandwidth is important. So if you woke up and you're feeling kind of ski-wumpy and off a little bit, you know you're maybe not going to be able to stay in that lane quite as well until you get centered and focused. I have a thought on that, knowing your bandwidth. I don't know if you both experienced this, but the empaths in my per like my life, I would gather that they wouldn't know their bandwidth and would wake up or go into any situation and like the savior mm -hmm. take it all because if they don't have the bandwidth for it, then they failed utterly. Or, you know, we've talked a lot about how it, it, it is self-gratification in a way. So, right. Um, yeah. You know, understanding. Do you have the bandwidth? <laughs> how is your body responding to your environment? What are you ill? Are there some things that are coming up physically tangy and kelsey both of you experience that's a great tell to uh do you have the bandwidth you know kelsey <laughs> i know yeah. you have thoughts what are they oh my gosh i'm so many <laughs> where to start here we could yeah we could go days on this subject we seriously. could we really could i really loved your description of ensuring you're not in the circle and kind of being like being over here yeah. to support. So a visual that I thought could be helpful for our listeners is like, let's say there's a forest fire and there's firefighters on the ground and they're putting it out and they know that's their role and that they're in it. It's literally there's fires all over them. The firefighter in my mind is like someone who is going in it directly the situation is in their life and their right now present moment it's affecting them right yeah if it's not my situation and the fire isn't physically harming me then <laughs> it's almost like going into aerial view like i'm the spy that the spy can call <laughs> you know like to tell me what what's coming or what to expect or I'm yeah. the person in the helicopter that has the aerial view to tell me I need to avoid going in that direction or I need to put the fire out here because over here is going to get worse. It's like, for me, it's, it's, um, we see it in the world. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, um, to put a visual on it. And so I loved that description. Um, how do you you know, go about with this empathy in a way that is healthy for you. So knowing the self, I mean, it says it in the Bible, know thyself. And it, and often it's be still and know that I am God. Like it's always about coming back and being centered, like you were talking about and, and being centered. And then for me, learning and identifying how my energy functions and how I see the world and what my environment was like when I was growing up and like taking reflection time 
to Mm -hmm. write about it in my journal and really think about who I am and how I came into this world and what I was around. And, you know, I I like to think of this analogy of a snowball because when you're born, you just kind of take on the environment around you until you know that you can evolve from that otherwise. And so I was like the snowball, just picking up more and more, you know, snow around me. And now I realize, oh, I don't need those layers of snow. Like those aren't mine. And until you can come to question that and understand those aspects of yourself, I don't think you're going to continue to bleed your heart and until you can learn your foundation. Like, this is where I came from. Okay, yes, this is what I want to keep and this is what I don't. And then from there, learning about your energy functions, human design is so, it came into my life at the perfect time after I had already done a lot of self-awareness and really, you know, getting into meditation and energy work um, and using my gifts and knowing what my gifts are in the first place. But the human design added this whole layer to it um, of knowing. So for example, um, I'm a projector in human design, so I'm. I don't have a lot of definition or I'm very open in my centers to other people's energy and the environment around me, which was super validating. I mean, I know I am that way. It was just validating for me. I'm the kind of person that if I'm by myself and I am uninterrupted by other people's energy, I'm very neutral. Like I'm not like really charged all the time by emotion. I, I end up being the reflector of their emotion around me a lot (laughs) and which is, was validating because I already kind of knew that, but it helps me even identify people's energy better even yet Mm -hmm. because I can, I just know that I'm not often the creator of the emotion. (laughs) Um, It's coming in or especially generationally, I, Mm -hmm. it's helping me even organize that out. This is part of my mom, this chain. (laughs) that's going on. This really is just, I'm here to hold this space and expand it and transmute it. It's not mine. So a lot of what Tanji said are tools that I've used. And one huge thing I wanted to add to those things was um, knowing how to use your mind as your friend. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's that when I was kind of called out, was the same time that I learned that I didn't know how to use my mind as my friend in my personal life. I could use my mind and critically think all day at work. I was freaking great at it. I used my what, why, how, how, like awesome. And I was having success with that, but I didn't know how to use it in my personal life where these things are really close to my heart. And so learning how to think about, you know, what am I trying to do? Why am I doing it? Um, you know, how how will I accomplish it or and how will I be successful? How will I know when I'm successful? Thinking through those things changed my whole world, realizing that I can use my mind in all aspects of my life. And when I use my mind, I also protect my heart. And I create boundaries around my heart that allow me to love more and give more. But when I wasn't using my mind, my heart wasn't, it wasn't a safe place. Like I, I created relationships that were really unhealthy and matter of factly abusive, emotionally abusive, because I was just always 
allowing people to take energy. <laughs> so when you were talking about that text, <laughs> getting a text from someone and you're like, I know this is charged. I've been doing yeah. that for a long time. Um, and when I, when I, I'm so grateful for the knowledge of just coming back to center with that too. And, and then putting it yeah. forward. So treating it kind of like a business action or a business thing, like, okay, I can talk on this day, uh, but about it, but I can't talk about it right now, but I will at this time be prepared to talk to you about it at this time. Mm -hmm. That giving me space to think through what I need to, to process the emotion when it comes up so triggering and big and, and understand, well, this emotion is coming up because of this. And I often use tapping to help me process the emotion mm -hmm. <laughs> safely and in a way that doesn't hurt anyone. And so, you know, when you were describing that, I was thinking about using your mind as your friend. And yeah. before I became aware of all this, I would have said, well, that's, that sounds like some businesswoman who thinks she's all mighty and can't just be here right now. But it's actually a boundary and a, a self-love thing for me. And results in more but, success, yeah. honestly. It, it allows us space so we can get out of this fire in the trees and into a place where we've had time to both process. Yeah. One thing that I found, too, is that empaths tend, I guess they shouldn't use a general rule, but a lot of us and what I've seen in my friends and family and everything, a lot of us tend to because we feel so much and feel so deeply we tend to not use our words in effective communication <laughs> sorry right? i used to have to laugh because <laughs> yes well because we feel all this stuff and i i'm not quite sure if it's just that we assume everyone is the same or what you know i i I'm not quite sure. I, I haven't taken a poll on that. But <laughs> I found if I am communicating effectively or more from my heart space with someone rather than just assuming and taking, you know, this on, if I'm saying, now, if I'm understanding you correctly, this is the issue or this is, you know, this. But if I'm really engaging in that communication, I notice I am not taking on all of the emotion and the feelings and the stuff because I'm looking at it from a different perspective. And I am not expecting to receive anything out of it. I'm simply showing up and listening. So it's like, you know, I'm creating a boundary with myself not to insert. And then I'm also creating a boundary of what it is that you're expecting from me. Mm, yeah. Very good. I feel like what Kelsey was saying too, and what you're saying, Tanji, um, using your mind as your friend and also the empath in the heart is just creating this balance. We're using more parts of ourselves together yeah. more Not. parts of ourself in use the success yeah. rate yeah. ought to go up right mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And and what you were talking about too, Tanji, is like having clarity first mm-hmm. before going into interaction. Yeah. If you're not, not clear, th- take time to get there. You know, right? Not not taking something that happened two minutes before into another conversation or thought. So I want to ask two questions. Number one, what do you do? And possibly you've already answered this. What do you do when you know you've taken on too much? What are your personal resourcing tools? Tanji, you may have already answered that and just going back to center. And the second question is, what do you recommend people do to start to figure out who they are? Because it seems that in order to set a boundary, in order to understand if you even are taking on others' emotions, if they're own, you have to know who you are. How, how would you start in that business? So two <laughs> questions again. If you've taken on too much, what do you do? Or too much, too much, too little, whatever. What do you yeah. do? Second, how would you start to know yourself? Okay. Um, so one of the things when I realized, oh, I've, you know, I've, I've taken on too much. Um, for me, I recognize um, earth and water. So mm-hmm. outside, um, going out to ground and stand in the grass or um, going on a hike, um, getting in the, the river, even just standing in it, not even, you know, climbing all in. Um, especially, you know, where we are, we have so many resources that are available to us. And when I reconnect with the earth or with water, with any of the elements, really, I tend to be able to bring to release that which I'm carrying that is not mine. Mm -hmm. And also recognize, because when we're taking it on, there's parts of us because we are mirrors for each other. So there is parts of everything we're taking on that there's something with within us that it's showing us or teaching us. And so I try to always look at that or when we're triggered or upset or something, you know, um, just has us feeling, you know, uh, angry or frustrated. I try to really look at, okay, why did this upset me? Or why, you know, where in my body, where in my mind, what memory, what was, what was triggered with that? You know, what was going on with it? Or how could I have handled that in a different way? You know, if I can't really figure out what that feeling or emotion or anything was. Um, But I tend to use um, the outdoors a lot. Um, Inside, um, like if I'm in a real public place, say for instance, a... Um, I was just a UVU at a dance, um, 
high school drill team, regional, you know, things. So UVU is packed full of kids and students and all of these feelings and everyone's trying to do their best and everything else. Um, as I was walking out of that building, I there was a doorway and in this doorway, I pictured a waterfall coming down over these two doors and I just pictured this waterfall and all these people walking through and just releasing whatever they've taken on in this building awesome. to be cleansed or purified, you know, so that we could walk out. So I tend to do that often where I'll just picture myself like walking, you know, out of the grocery store. I picture, you know, the waterfall and I'm just walking right through it and, you know, leaving all of that behind and not carrying it with me to the next place or the next store. Um, so I, I will tend to use a lot of, a lot of those tools, um, as, as well. Um, one of the ways too, that I catch myself when I'm falling back into a pattern, <clears throat> there's a couple of different tells for me. One is I start feeling tired or really run down or overwhelmed. So I recognize where is this, you know, where is this coming from and where have I maybe stretched myself too thin or taken on more than what I need, you know, I need to. Um, and what was the second question? I forgot again. How do you begin to oh, know yes. yourself? Um, one of the ways that I began to know myself is to be able to look myself in the mirror. Mm. To look myself in the mirror. Because we look at ourselves in the mirror all the time, but we aren't really seeing ourselves. We're seeing all of the different masks that we put on to navigate through our day to be, whether it's to be saved, whether it's to fit in, whether it's any of those reasons, you know, the perfect wife, whatever mask we choose to put on. But I want to look at myself real and raw. So for and this was my, I did start this exercise. I had a little handheld mirror. I would take my makeup all off and I would look in the mirror and I tried for five minutes to begin with. I could not do it five minutes. What so stopped you? Had, I could not look at myself. Okay. It, it was like, I did not want to see her. Okay. And so I, you know, so I, I, I initially started wanting five minutes. I went to three minutes. And then when I mastered three minutes, I went to five minutes. And then I started adding in positive affirmations. Like oh. I am a goddess. I am a, the God of my universe. I am love this is incredible because you yeah. first this is incredible 
uh, let me tell you why. <laughs> First, you had to look at yourself without a mask and you had to be able to see yourself. Then you give that the affirmation instead of the other way around where you're affirming a mask of yourself. You're affirming something that, that you can't even look at at the moment. Right. Oh my gosh. Like totally an amazing technique. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and then started adding all those things. I am love. I am compassion. I am sympathetic. I am empathetic. And I'm not looking at it as a detriment or a death, you know, sentence or anything else like that. I can love and be loved, accept mm -hmm. and receive, give all of those things. So then it was like, I felt like I was building back the foundation in which I needed and deserved. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. So, I love that. Yeah. A but great way to that, start. That's how I, that's how I started. Um, and you know, there's a lot of other, um, Joe Dispenza has mm -hmm. a really good technique. Um, but it's, it's almost like where he has you, visualize yourself looking at like from the a third person or second person like across from you visualizing you looking at you recognizing what you see what qualities you see as if you're telling as if I was telling Malia or as if I was telling Kelsey these are the qualities I see in you but it's an exercise where you're actually telling yourself the qualities you see from an outside perspective that you see mm -hmm. within yourself. This also warning, this also works to deliver to you your shadows. Uh, so totally. you may get some things coming at you. You weren't expecting. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Com completely. Cause it, it all comes. You, we don't choose what's coming. <laughs> right. So Kelsey, before you answer, I wanted to just mention one more time, this really cool aspect, what Tanji said about bringing the elements she needed into her space, even if it didn't really exist, like that waterfall and, you know, putting it there in the imagination, it is definitely energetically doing the job. And something you said just was like, holy moly to me, you, you wash yourself off after you leave most spaces you said from one store to the next because you don't want to carry around what you picked up in that store to another space and I don't think that I have ever heard an empath describe that awareness so that you Malia. carry the energy. This is why I change my clothes 20 times a day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Take us through, Kels. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just kind of adding to what she said. And I love just using your imagination and really like put going into that space of that element is with you or shifting, helping you, supporting you. Love it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Love it. I'm all about that. And I, I also do that in settings, but I do 
have this weird thing of changing my clothes a lot. Like I just change all the time. And it's, I've always done that since I was little and my mom thought it was so silly, but here I am. I'm totally accepting and loving that about myself because I feel better when yeah. I do. So, um, but what I was going to say that's kind of funny is that I had a friend growing up and when you we were playing volleyball um, during practice or when you're like doing a really hard circuit or things like that, she would always say, I'm just going to go to my mental hot tub for a second. <laughs> that is so cool. And that's exactly <laughs> what she was doing. I just freaking love it. Um, I, I guess kind of going back to the original questions though, how I resource. Mm -hmm. um, or, or resource, yes, is the question in layman's terms, if you know you've taken on more than you want or anything at all, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Water is a part of a need for me too. I often, if I am going through some big stuff or changing a lot, I will just feel like I need to get in the tub. I'm a huge tub person or I'll feel like I just want to go in the river and I want to just be in the river. I want to go swimming. And, um, I, I finally understand even more why that's the case. It's, it's written in the stars for me. It's in my natal chart. Pluto is in a water sign. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, it is. And oh, I thought that's what you're referring to. Oh what no, no, more? no, no. All ah. most of my things are fire and earth. So I don't really have. Mm -hmm. I don't have any water. If there is any, it's that one, and that's it. Everything yeah. else is fire and earth. And because I'm always burning, I'm like the desert. I need water. <laughs> it's like I need the opposite. Um, so I, I'm a huge alone time, quiet time person. So if I'm getting really, um, overwhelmed or feeling like I've put on too much, I just need a peaceful to myself time. And I just make that whatever it is. And I just communicate that clearly, like to my husband and he's super loving and, and understanding of it. Um, alone time is just huge for me. And during my alone time, I do similar things to what you were describing, Tanji, I just get really, really present and tuning into what needs, what's surfacing right now that, that needs my love and attention and being present with it. Even if it feels like the worst thing, <laughs> just letting myself be in it, be in the emotion, recognizing that be, being in this emotion doesn't mean that I'm the horrible person. It doesn't mean that I failed. It just means that this is showing up and I need to be present with it so that we can move through it together. Me and all the parts of me, you know? Um, and I also, a huge part of me is writing and speaking it out. Malia knows this <laughs> very well. <laughs> yeah, she's a verbal processor and something yeah. good to know about yourself. Yeah, and yeah. that's in my human design. Like, these tools are out there for you. Anyone listening, human design. Um, this goes back to the other second question, Malia, of how do you know yourself? There's awesome tools out there. And human design has really, really empowered me in this. Um, because number one, it's just validating. You look at it and you're like, oh, yes, this has been me my whole life. And it just kind of confirms what you already know so you can continue to strengthen your yourself in those ways. Um, so I was going to say human design to people, but if human design doesn't resonate, I mean, we just went through a whole list, right? But my sentence, my little 
thing I wanted to encourage for anyone who wants to know how to know yourself, I would say get curious. The more curious you can be, that is the bottom for everything else. Just asking your why. I think as children, we were kind of, it was kind of beat out of us to not ask why. Um, Not to anyone's fault, but like to the systems that were created that we were in. Um, Asking why was a burden, a problem for those are the adults supervising at school. It's like, we don't have time to answer your whys, so don't ask. But why is one of the most powerful things we can ask? And you see it in kids. It's their innate nature to ask why, 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 why? It's because that's actually the way to get to the root of every problem. If you ask anyone yeah. who's coming at you um, with a problem, <laughs> if you just ask them why, and if you continue just to say why, why they would feel uncomfortable but they would get to the answer it Mm -hmm. it kind of forces you to after a while if your kid won't stop you're like okay let me i gotta really think about exactly answer that won't have whys that follow (laughs) (laughs) exactly and then you realize you're really not to the root of it yet um and so that's what i would advise to anybody because and adding to everything tanji said cuz that all that work is so helpful i did the sa- the same thing the mirror work looking at really? myself and not knowing who i was looking at and i think it's why so many people have a really hard time seeing themselves on a camera mm-hmm. it just it pulls out more <laughs> about themselves than they're you know maybe ready for like marco polo for me, when I first started, was like, seeing myself when I'm talking to someone else doesn't make sense. But it's therapeutic for me now. I'm like this. I love how they do that in the platform where you actually see yourself when you're talking to someone else because I think it's healing. <laughs> well, ladies, uh, this has been very good. Very, very good. Educational. I so hope this helps a lot of people out there. I hope so many feel seen, feel heard, and also can go away with tools and knowledge to help them to not be in overextension with their empathy. Um, I'm going to just sum up some of the ideas you guys shared, how to be healthy in your empathy. What makes you, you know yourself, be curious, stay in your business, creating boundaries, and pay attention to the physical ailments that are presenting and also the masks that are presenting. Remember Tangi, how she thought she had resolved and I'm (laughs) handling this, but she got good at masking her inability to handle it. Paying attention to the rhetoric in your head and using your mind and your heart in this balance. Also, getting really honest with yourself. What do you have to gain in the way you are holding this gift of empathy? Um, And then from your advice on What do you do when I just feel there's too much? Know your resource. With both of you is water and Tangy Earth. 
again, be curious about the things that you're holding, what's come up, self-reflect and take responsibility for yourself, which is so difficult to do, but a massive step in, again, that more beautiful world we're all wanting to work together to create. This has been lovely. And we will see you on the next episode. Thank you. That was great.